So, Father, I pray over the Word of God. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to the Word. In Jesus' name, Lord. I pray for grace on me as the speaker, Lord, and on the church as the hearers. Your Word's powerful, and it can change our lives. Do that today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, turn to Luke chapter 19. Verse 20, and actually I could read this whole parable, maybe I should. There's really just one point I want to make out of it. I'll start with verse, I'll say, I'll start with verse 11. There's really just one part of it I want to make a point out of, but I'll read it in context. While they were listening to this, he went on uh, to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and people thought that the kingdom of God was going uh, to appear at once. And he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. That's, you know, just a just a coin back in them those days. He said, put this money to work and I'll come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, here's your mina. I've earned 10 mores. He said, well done, my good servant. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. The second came and he said, I've earned five more. And his master answered, you can take charge of <clears throat> five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid up in a piece of cloth because I was afraid of you, because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in, and you reap where you did not sow. And his master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. That's pretty powerful, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in, and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money in the bank for deposit? So that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest. Then he said to those standing by, take this mina away from him and give it to the one that has 10 mina. Sir, they replied, he already has 10. And he replied, I tell you, everyone who has, this is a kingdom principle here. Everyone who has, more will be given. And by the way, it doesn't sound like socialism to me. How about you? <clears throat> Someone say, amen. amen. Doesn't sound like it to me. I had someone send me a meme that Jesus was a socialist this week. They always try to pull that. Then he said to those standing by, take away the mina from him and give it to the one that has 10. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. Powerful, isn't it? But the, uh, he says, but to, to the one who has nothing, even what he has, will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king 
Come slay them before me. That's Jesus meek and mild. The, the, the key point here that I want to make on this, and the thing I want to emphasize, I want to talk about that. I really want to talk about the grace of God more than anything. There are kingdom principles here, and there are things we need to learn about God from the Bible. The, Jesus tells us what he's like. He doesn't hide what his character is like. He doesn't hide what it's going to be like on Judgment Day. He tells us this is what it's going to be like. So when that day comes, we don't have to be surprised, right? Amen. Come on. But what I really like about this uh, text and what, what really spoke to me this week when I was meditating on it was the importance of how we think about God. I want you to get this. It is so important how you think about God. You know what an idol is, right? Tell me, someone tell me, what is an idol? I'm going to slow down today. What's that? Well, it could be a video game. You, or though you could play video games and be fine, right? It doesn't have to be an idol. Anything, ultimately, anything that you worship instead of worshiping God. Your family could be an idol if you put your family above the Lord. Someone say amen. Come on. Money can be an idol. A lot of things can be an idol. In the Old Testament, they physically worshipped entities. When I was in India, they had these towers, and you'd go over in these temples, and they would have literally these skulls and these gods. There'd be thousands of them, and they represented different deities, and they would worship them. But behind that deity, there was something, like it could be a god of lust, so there'd be a sexual god on that uh, wall, or it could be a god of uh, death. They have a, a destroyer, is it Shiva, the destroyer? Uh, they have fertility gods, but then they worship that idol as a representation of the god behind it. Does that make sense? That's why in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, the Lord said, don't make any idols, don't make images of me. I don't want you making an image of me because you don't know what I look like, and you're going to make a false image. Amen? So anything, if we have a false image of God and we worship that false image, okay, we're worshiping an idol. Some people have an image of God, um, I, you know, just... They have an image of God, like God's the kind of God that he doesn't care what you do. He loves us. No matter what you do, he loves you, and there's no consequence to your actions. God ultimately loves you more, and he's, there's never going to be a consequence. He's a loving God, and there's no consequence. And then some people have an image of God that he's a hard man, and he reaps where he doesn't sow, and he's out to get you, and they have a, a fearful God. And that's, neither one are really the truth. Ultimately, we're all going to stand before God and we're going to be judged by the Lord. Is that true? And what the Bible says? I was laying in bed last night. I was thinking about people that don't, that say, they say they don't believe in God. It was run through my mind. I was thinking, what would that be like to go your whole life and you say that you don't believe in God and yet in your heart of hearts, you are made in the image of God. You know there's a God. You know there's uh, right and wrong in the universe. You know there is. You know there's consequences to your actions, both on the earth. In reality, you know that. I imagine if you're getting ready to die and you're going into that mystery of death, I mean, no one here I don't think has died and been to the other side, 
But knowing you're going there and you are not certain of your eternal destiny, or you're wondering, well, maybe there is a God, because deep in your heart you know there is one. So I wonder what that would be like, not knowing God. You're going into a total mystery. Well, the Christian, we have the Word of God, and we can know, we can know God. This guy that said that his image of God, that God was a hard man, he had a bad concept of God, and that concept wasn't based on the Bible. The way he thought about God was wrong, and because he thought about God wrong, he was at the end, in the last day, he was deprived of his reward, and he was deprived of a fruitful life. The first two people, they got something from God, and God said, hey, you know, you go out there and you occupy till I come. And I imagine, according to the scriptures anyway, when we get saved by the grace of God, God gives us gifts and talents, and we understand God, and we know who God really is. We know he's our creator. We know that he loves us. We know that he's a good God. We know that God is for us. And most importantly, when we see God in the face of Jesus Christ, we get busy, and we start serving God out of love. When we have the right image of God, then we can serve God with joy and gladness. Someone say amen. amen. But it's so important that you understand. I constantly am asking this church to read your Bibles and study. Because someone told me this week, in fact, it was last night, about a couple preachers that used to preach this, and then they said they no longer preach this, and now they preach something else. Do you know the number one protection you have against preachers is for you to read your own Bible. Someone say amen. If I try to badger you to do anything, it's to read your own Bible. There's a hundred preachers. They could have a hundred different viewpoints on things. But if you go in a prayerful attitude to the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. And, and Charlie, you talked about testimony last week. You can know God for yourself. You can get in the word and hear from the Holy Spirit. I do. And the more that you get to know God, or we get to know God, because we all know God to some degree, amen? The more you find out that He is good. I had a little meme I saw this week of uh, Jesus was in front of this little girl, and she had this little tiny little teddy bear, and Jesus was asking for it. And she's like, but I want it. And she didn't want to give that teddy bear away. And behind Jesus' back was this great big old teddy bear that He wanted to give her. And that's how it is with us sometimes when God is in our life and he's working in our life and he wants our cooperation and, and we feel like he's asking us for things or maybe he's asking for more dedication or he's asking for more commitment or he's trying to get us to take another step. It is only because he is good and he has something better for us. Someone say amen. I see God through the grace of Jesus Christ. I see God as good. I have a respect for God. The Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, and it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of, of a living God. But the more you get to know God and His loving heart, we have a reverential fear for God, but we know that God's good, and He only wants good for us. So the more that we get to know God, the more that we exchange what we think is important for what God thinks is important, it can only make you 
It can only improve you. It can only make you a better person. It can only make you a happier person. The Word says, and this is how you know if you're getting it wrong in the kingdom, the Word says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace. So if you're following with God that's not bringing you righteousness, joy, and peace, you're not looking at the right God. Someone say amen. That's the truth. He's not the God of slavery and depression and poverty and sickness. That's not him. That's the thief. God absolutely loves you with a 100% commitment. And because he loves you, Jesus in Luke chapter 8, verse 16, Mark chapter 4, verses 24 and 25, he says, be careful not only what you hear, but he says, be careful how you hear. It's very important. Do you know, I, I want you to follow me in this. I don't just listen to anybody. I don't just listen to anybody. The Bible says you can judge a tree by its fruit. When I have folks talking to me, and they're full of poison, you know, when I'm not getting good fruit out of that, I know right away I'm throwing up my Jesus wall. I'm not allowing that into my heart. I, I'm blocking it. You should hear about some of the things people say about you. <laughs> Amen. That was kind of supposed to be funny. <laughs> you know what? If someone came up to me and told me something about you and they started speaking, I would probably be more in question about them than I would the person they're talking about. Like, why are they doing that? Why are they spewing out this poison to me about this person? Jesus said, be careful how you hear, be careful what you hear. I'll have preachers or people post things or do things. I always, always, and I want you to get this, I always, always want to run that through the Word of God. Always. You can have some of the best teaching. And, you know, I don't think anybody necessarily is 100% right, except for you, right? Everybody thinks, doesn't everybody think they're right? I say, it's true. You, th you wouldn't believe that if you didn't think you knew, right? We all think we're right. But I don't think maybe necessarily everyone's 100% right, but I know that the Word of God is the revelation of God. And I know God has given me and us the Holy Spirit that we can study and we can pray for wisdom. And the Bible says if you ask God for wisdom, He will give you wisdom. So we can know the Lord and we can know what He's really like. The more that I get to know God, the better God is to me. I say, man, He's good. God is good. There are trials, there are afflictions, there are things that come in your life that try to beat you up, try to do, I'm telling you, God is that person, that entity, that being that, that is with you during the trial, he's with you before the trial, he's with you after the trial, the Bible says God is for you, he's not against you. If anything even bad is coming into your life, if God even remotely has anything to do with it, is he's trying to work out something for the greater good in your life. I had a situation this week, and I'm, uh, it was an awkward social situation. I'm saying, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how this situation should turn out. But I believe that you're good, and I'm going to walk into this situation, 
And God, because I believe you're good, I am praying for your grace and your mercy on me. I'm just going to believe that whatever happens, if A happens, it's because that's good. If B happens, because that's good. If C, because I didn't know how it would turn out, but I believe God's good. I say, God, I am just going to trust you because I believe you're good. Someone say amen, because he is good. Guess how things turned out? Good. Just like I knew they would. God is benevolent towards you. He's benevolent towards you. He, he's loving towards you. So he wants you to be careful how you hear and what you hear. When John the Baptist was preaching and teaching, there were two classes of people. There were the religious people, and then there were sinners. And, and it's the same with when Jesus taught. And John was teaching a baptism of repentance. He was telling people that they needed to repent, okay, because the king was coming, the Messiah was coming, and they needed to repent and get ready. And lo and behold, okay, there were two types of people the Bible mentions. There were the sinners, and the sinners were lining up for miles, and they were getting baptized by John. And then you had the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, and they were opposing John's message. And I've talked about this many times. Why do you think that the religious leaders were opposing John's message? They, yeah, absolutely. They thought they were already good enough. They had the law. And they thought they were obeying the law and they were doing things right. They didn't think they needed Jesus. And because they didn't think that they needed Jesus, when John came and said that you need a baptism of repentance, they rejected John. So what did they do with Jesus? They rejected Jesus. Now, these nice people, these good, solid citizens... These religious people wound up killing Jesus, right? They wound up murdering the only innocent man that ever lived. They wound up killing him, right? Put him on a cross. And the importance of that was the sinners and the people that we call sinners anyway, they understood, get this, and that's something I appreciated about Celebrate Recovery. I talked about it last week. They understood that they needed Jesus. They needed the grace of God. They had sins, they had imperfections, they needed the Lord, so they lined up, they had a right view, and they had a right view of God. They believed in a merciful, loving God. They believed in a forgiving God. They believed in a God that would wipe away their sins and have mercy, and they wanted to be right. One of them beat his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me. The other group of people thought, well, I'm okay, I'm doing okay, I'm obeying. Now, we know they weren't okay because they murdered Jesus. Someone say amen. Jesus said they're like whitewashed tombs. He said they look nice on the outside, they look pretty on the outside, but on the inside, they're full of all kind of evil. They got all kind of stuff going on on the inside. And what I liked about, like I said last week with Celebrate Recovery, is people coming forward and saying, yeah, I have these problems but I see a merciful God in the face of Jesus Christ. I have a place where I can go, and I know that I can be forgiven. And you guys know, God's grace is never a license to sin. I've been through this many times. I don't want to backtrack on, on that. But what happens when we come? This is something else I'm learning in God. What happens when we admit our deficiencies, when we admit our imperfections, and we go to God with our imperfections. Does God just merely 
wipe away and excuse our imperfections and, and leave us as we are. I'm going to read three scriptures because I want to slow down. I want to teach this. And I have a little time here. I want to turn over to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. God has appeared to us. And if you don't know the gospel, people, listen good right now. God has appeared to us in the person of Jesus. The law had its day. It failed. Did you know that? The Bible says it failed. It didn't work. Law was okay, the law was holy, the law was just, the law was good, people had problems, people needed to be fixed, and the law wasn't fixing anybody. Someone say amen. If you're an alcoholic and I walk up to you and say, stop drinking, how much have I helped you? Stop drinking, quit it, stop, today, right now. You'll leave here shaking trying to find the first bar in town. But if I could walk up to you and tell you your sins are forgiven, be whole. And I had the power to put a Holy Spirit inside of you, I could do you some good. If I could change your heart, if I could change your desires, I could do you some real good. I've been praying for this church. I said, God, we need the power. I don't mean we have to buck and shout, although I'd like to buck and shout. Nessie, I can't wait to see you bucking and shouting. I'll look forward to it. I don't care if we're bucking and shouting, but what I want to see is the power of God coming into our lives by the grace of God and changing us. Because Jesus has the power not only to forgive sins. Remember when that, that cat was uh, sick and, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven? And those, uh, the religious leaders, the ones that were always bugging him, they said, who does he think he is forgiving people's sins? Who does he think he is? And he said, well, okay, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. And he said, get up and walk. Jesus doesn't only have the power and the ability to forgive our sins. He has the power and ability to change us. That's the grace of God. That's why we worship him. I'm relying on the grace of God more right now in my life than I ever have. Everything you need, everything is in Jesus right now. And it's available to you by God's grace through Jesus right now. You got a sin problem you can't shake? Jesus, in Jesus, you're free right now. You're in a struggle in your life and you need grace? Jesus is the answer to that. Jesus healed people because healing was in him. He was providing it. I I got a lot to say about that. I, I can say more later. You'll notice in the New Testament, everything that belongs to a Christian, it says, my God shall supply all your needs, how? Through Christ Jesus. You need forgiveness of sins today? Through Christ Jesus. You need your needs met today? Through Christ Jesus. 
everything that God does in our life. This is the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. I got to read these scriptures. I have to. I want you to dig into it with me. Everything that the law demanded, Jesus provided.